Hello, I'm Phil Svitek, 360 Creative Coach, and welcome to my vlog, where it is both my mission and my pleasure to highlight my creative journey in hopes of giving you specific takeaway, nuggets of inspiration, all that way your journey can be at least a little bit easier. Now, before I fully dive into things, I would love to take the opportunity to invite you to subscribe if you haven't already, that we get all the various lessons and episodes right when I put them out. Thank you if you just did, and thank you if you already were. It truly does mean a lot to me, as I hope it does to you. So, this past week has been interesting in terms of the journey, right? So, a, a big chunk of it was meeting uh, various people um, and networking with them, right? So, for one reason or another, I'm not, not quite sure, but, you know, because maybe, I assume, I've applied to the Cannes Film Festival in the past... All of a sudden, these people that will be attending the Cannes Film Festival have been reaching out and, you know, asking me, you know, will I be there if I'd like to meet up and so forth. You know, some range from like producers to musicians to financiers and so forth. And it's very interesting because I've never been to the Cannes Film Festival. All I've ever done is applied to it. Uh, it would be it would be my dream to go, and it would be a far even greater dream to go with a movie of mine that is playing there. Neither of which has happened. But all the same, you know, these people are reaching out. And, you know, what's been, what's been nice is kind of looking them up, seeing, you know, who they are and, you know, being able to respond and say, you know, no shame in it of like, hey, not attending this year, uh, but hope you have a great time. And, uh, you know, if you want to meet, you know, via Zoom or something like that, happy to do so, right? And connect that way. And some people have gotten back um, already. And yeah, it's kind of forming some interesting friendships. Where they lead, of course, I don't know. But that's sort of the name of the game. You know, to me, I've changed the word from networking to connecting, right? Even if even if it doesn't mean anything, just the sharing an actual human experience to me and like-minded people in and of itself is the worthwhile pursuit. And so that to me is the awesome part, right? And, you know, furthermore, as far as like, you know, other connections, the Austin Liftoff Film Festival had uh, its own meetup event. You know, it was all virtual. Um, I've been to Liftoff, kind of does various cities and, you know, they, they did a Los Angeles one a while ago. Um, and I went to that. That one was in person. But this one was virtual. And it's a chance to meet all the participating filmmakers of that film festival, right? So the Austin, Austin Liftoff Film Festival where my movie, A Bogota Trip, you know, was playing. And they allow you to submit a one-minute video. It could be anything. It could be a showreel. It could be a trailer. It could be a pitch. Doesn't matter, right? And so last time... You know, the one that took place in L.A., I did a one-minute version of A Bogota Trip, the, the trailer for the movie that was playing. And at the time, that, that made sense, right? Because I was trying to, you know, promote it, get it out there, and so forth. And, you know, I have, I, I at the time had a very core nugget of what I wanted to do next, but, you know, it certainly wasn't anywhere... It was just a rough idea and to be able to, like, I couldn't even formulate a sentence around it. So, you know, it wasn't worthwhile to, to do a one-minute video for it, right, when there was nothing there. 
But this time around, you know, I've been working on this film called The Arbiters, which is an animated movie and very much in early development, uh, which I've talked at length about and um, we'll update you a little bit further uh, in this. But, you know, uh, as, as I write the script, I was like, this feels like a good time to start talking about that in front of people, right? So I made a one minute video um, and, you know, this time around, rather than just me talking straight to camera and letting that play, you know, I had character designs and I could pull from other movies to help with the visuals. And um, I also had the pitch deck that we created that I could just put up slides of that into the video. So it was a lot more visual in that way. And it was fun because, you know, it really resonated with people um, after everyone kind of presents who they are and what they're working on. You know, you break off into individual rooms. This was all over Zoom. And so you get about three minutes to just kind of talk and connect, right? And it was a small group of us. It was about like 12, let's say. And, you know, people from all over the world, some people from India, the UK, Australia, and so forth, um, even down to someone like literally pretty much next door to me. So what a, what a wide range of people. And it was just great to to connect in that way and, uh, you know, really see filmmakers on the come up, right? And one of the re things I've realized, which I've known about myself, but I really just give permission to just go for it, right? And I, and I love doing that. When I speak with people directly, artists, you know, it doesn't have to just be filmmakers, but that idea of like, you know, whatever mental blocks that they have in their head, like they're, they're imagined, right? I mean, of course, time and resources and, you know, money, which technically counts as resource, are always going to be limited. But, you know, the, the Team Deacons podcast, which is a podcast done by uh, renowned cinematographer Roger Deacons, where he interviews, you know, world-class people in the film industry, you know, they all talk about that. They share that. Like, it doesn't matter if you have a $200 million budget. The, the pressure of, you know, time and not having enough resources is still there. It's just on a different scale. So ultimately, it's to say, like, just go for it because it's all going to be there. There's not going to be, life's not going to give you green lights all around to just go and gun down, you know, that proverbial street. Instead, you know, yeah, just, just navigate your th way, navigate your way through it and it'll be okay. And I love doing that for people and, uh, seeing dreams come true, right? That's what, why I do what I do with this is because, you know, whatever impact I have, you know, I love, I love that sort of connection. And certainly I've benefited it from in my life where people have, you know, shown me the path, right? And I study them both as fictional mentors and then luckily enough to have as actual mentors. And in fact, a funny thing, uh, recently I listened to Derek Sivers uh, um, on Tim Ferriss's show, and it was, his, I believe, his second appearance, um, and it's been like seven years since last time he was a guest, and though they're close friends, you know, it's it's been a while, and the, I remember the first interview having such a huge impact on me, and so when I saw that, like, Derek was a, a guest on Tim Ferriss's show, like, there's some episodes just for time, like, I don't get to listen to every episode of every podcast I want to. And so I'm a little bit, you know, strategic in that way. But when I saw Derek's name, I was like, I have to listen to this. 
And at the end of that episode, he says like, hey, if you found this interesting, like reach out to me, email me, and I'd love to connect. I was like, okay, cool. Yeah, I mean, he seems genuine. Um, You know, whether he responds or not, I don't know. And I didn't want to like have any ask. So like literally what I did was I emailed him and I said, you know, I remember your appearance, you know, from seven years ago and, and those lessons really resonated and helped me out a lot. And I can't wait to see how the the lessons, you know, from this more recent podcast will reverberate, you know, in my life. But I'm excited and, I, you know, I took meticulous notes and so forth. And he sent me a response. I wasn't expecting it necessarily, you know, but, but he did. And he actually took a look at my website. You know, he said that, you know, he thought what I was doing was very cool and that he missed L.A., you know. It was just nice, you know, uh, literally this email came in, you know, a- about an hour or so ago. And, and it's uh, it's wonderful, right, to just be able to connect on that level and not have it be anything beyond just like, hey, like, you are doing something awesome. You inspire me. And, you know, like, even if we don't interact, like, just continue what you're doing because the effects of it are felt somehow, right? That to me is awesome. So, yeah, you know, it's been a lot of connecting with people and, you know, moving, moving forward with stuff. Uh, you know, one thing also that, talk about like connecting and, and having people in your life, you know, there's an actor that I love named Victor Bill. Victor plays um, the character of Paco in uh, my movie, A Bogota Trip. And, you know, he's someone that is finding success lately, and I love to see it. And, you know, he and I also did this short digital film school parody film that I haven't yet put out. And, you know, admittedly, I've been kind of slacking on it. It's not necessarily the most work, but I just knew I needed to, like, set aside time to do it and so forth. And he, and he, he asked me about it because he's looking stuff to add to his reel. And I was like, okay, you know what? I haven't done anything with it, but this is a good kick in the ass that I need. So let me start to work on it. And so this past week, you know, I, I put aside time to just get the get the cut, right? So, you know, we have everything shot overall. And now it's about just assembling it in terms of the edit. For me, when it comes to editing, I always... Just go for the story, right? Like, let's let's just lay down everything as intended. And, you know, in that way, it's sort of like a documentary feel, right? Um, where you have what's, what, 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 what it's about is that it's driven by what he's saying, right? And, of course, there's going to be B-roll a lot over it. B-roll being, you know, visuals to accompany what he's saying. But let me just get that aspect of it correct, and then we'll worry about that stuff. So that was my primary focus, and you know, selecting the takes that you know work the best. And yeah, it was fun to to do that and see, like, reinvigorate my passion of why I wanted to create this in the first place, right? And it has no other goal besides just I thought it'd be fun, right? And it still remains fun. The only downside of why I haven't finished it yet is just there's all this other stuff that uh, that I'm also working on that 
you know, I gotta, I gotta pick and choose my time, right? But certainly this has been on the to-do list and so I'm glad I was able to move forward with it and, you know, taking one step closer to the finish line. Speaking of finish lines, you may remember a couple weeks ago I talked about filming a sizzle reel, almost like a trailer for this project that my friends are pitching. And, you know, that was a couple weeks ago and we've been editing it. And finally this weekend, you know, they came over Saturday and we got it to picture lock. So there's still work that remains. It's got to be, it's got to go through sound, meaning, you know, the mixing, um, the sound effects, the music's got to be laid in and all that stuff. But, you know, there's that, there's the color correction, because right now, you know, it, it's not the final look of the thing. And there's a couple of, I think like three total visual effects shots, right? So those are the things that need to be worked on still, but as far as the timing of the piece and where the shot selection and so forth, we have it, right? And one of the things that we did was also record with the primary actor, their voiceover narration for the trailer. And yeah, it's fun to, you know, see come, see things come to fruition. Um, you know, one of my big things is always just, I, I, I try not to have too many open-ended projects, essentially. Like I try to, whenever I'm doing, I try to have, you know, just a couple of projects that I know I can handle and, and devote time. And even now, you know, certainly when I talk about like the digital film school parody, you know, that might be one project too many. And in hindsight, um, it's one that I should have finished up a lot sooner, but you know, things, good things got in the way of that. Um, and so it just kind of got pushed to the back burner. But all that to say is I do like to keep a relative small amount of projects that I can you know, actually focus on as opposed to too many, you know, they, they kind of say like have a lot of irons in the fire. I don't, I don't believe in that necessarily. I mean, I think you need various things. And, you know, if you finished up, let's say like a script and, or a pitch or whatever it is, and now you're just kind of out shopping it. Sure. That, that's a little bit different than, you know, actively working on it. Um, but at least like you've completed that aspect of it, right? Like you've written the script or whatever it is, right? And so for me, you know, I knew with the team, I was like, listen, you know, I know like the notes we were doing were so minuscule that I was like, like, let's just get together. We can knock this out in an hour and just like get it off our collective plates and, you know, move on and and so forth. And so we were able to do that and it was great. You know, it's always, as I said, fun to, you know, see things and get them crossed off your to-do list. The, the main sort of thing that I've been working on is the Arbiters, which I mentioned as part of the Austin Liftoff Film Festival, you know, that I got to present. And the Arbiters is this animated mythological film. Very ambitious, right? Talk about like giving people permission. Like part of how I do that is by just going for it, right? And trying to prove the impossible through the work that I do. And it's funny because, you know, just last night I rewatched a Bogota trip, you know, my second feature film. And man, am I ever proud of it? Like, I understand that it's not a movie for everybody, 
but you can't tell me it's a bad movie. I mean, it's, that thing was a miracle. And as I look back on it, you know, what we managed to pull off, I inspire myself in that way, right? Like, wow, holy crap, you know, I galvanized that and collectively we pulled it off, you know? So I'm proud of everyone's effort and I'm proud of myself for collect, for, you know, taking the leap of faith on myself and, and trusting that it would all come together, <laughs> you know, because it didn't always have to. So that's the beautiful part about that. And so the arbiters, you know, in many ways alleviate some risk, but also, you know, in terms of narrative and so forth is one of the most ambitious things I'm about to do ever, you know, um, and Certainly after the Arbiters, I'm sure there'll be even more ambitious stuff. But, you know, right now this is like, wow, this is it. This is as ambitious as it gets. And, you know, my main focus has been working on the script. And, you know, more and more uh, I've been revising what I had written so far. And it, it's been going well, you know, um, but but as you kind of start to stack everything up, right? Like to me, in many ways, it's a lot easier to write the first pages versus the later pages because it all has to interconnect and make sense in threading that needle, um, but, it, but it's enjoyable. And even though I want it to be a little bit further ahead, there's this one action sequence after like the first act um, ends that kind of is supposed to jolt the audience back into it because there was a big information dump. And so that was exciting to write because, you know, in the, in the first version I had, I had the broad strokes of everything, but now, you know, I could see it all come together of like, okay, I know, you know, X, Y, and Z has to happen, but how does it happen? And why does it happen? And, you know, how are the characters reacting to that and so forth? So that was really great to be able to iron out uh, and, and and it's been fun, right? And I continue to get character designs from the animators, um, which is really, really fun. And also just a quick side note, you know, I, I've been a big advocate of Upwork for a number of years. Um, it's how I find a lot of great talent and that way for the various projects, but at a certain point, you know, their fees at the moment are just so high. And so with the animators, I was like, hey, is there another way we can do this? Because, you know, in thinking about it moving forward, like this is gonna essentially add like 30% to my budget just in fees alone. Like if anything, I'd rather give you that money and so, you know, they were like, same thing for us. Like, you know, they, like, whatever I pay them, you know, um, my fees alone aren't enough. Like, they, 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 Upwork takes a fee from them just to get that money. So they're also losing money. So it's like, we're both losing essentially a ton because they're not getting paid as much as I theoretically am paying them because, you know, Upwork is taking their fee. But also, you know, whatever I'm paying them, Upwork is adding their fee on top of that. So, so it's like, whoa. Um, and so, yeah, you know, uh, I just reached out and we're like, 
yeah, let's 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 take this sort of off of Upwork and you know just kind of continue that way. And we can do that because there's a trust that has been developed through Upwork, through I mean at this point we're 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 approaching a year essentially of working together. Um, now that I think about it, holy moly, right? And yeah, that's exciting to know that you know that has been developed and, and that we have such a good working relationship and we have that trust where we don't need the intermediary of an Upwork to essentially conflict resolve because you know there, there's there's a trust there and we'll figure it out together. You know, I trust them to deliver the work that they say they're going to deliver and they trust that I will pay them because you know I do and have been. So yeah, that's kind of where we're at with with that stuff. A couple of uh, so that that's kind of the overall updates as far as the creative stuff. I want to talk about sort of the general thoughts that I think would be helpful, um, or at least you know there's stuff that I've been thinking about and. You know, perhaps it resonates, perhaps it's stuff that you've thought about, but um, one such thing, you know, talk about talking about something that has benefited me specifically with like Derek Sivers, you know, on the latest Tim Ferriss episode, he talked about this idea of journaling. And certainly that's not a new notion. Certainly I've talked about it a lot and, you know, it's not like this revelatory thing for me. Many, many people talk about the benefits of journaling, but he gives it a purpose in the sense that he writes down his thoughts and he tries to identify negative beliefs. And by doing so, you know, he starts to question, okay, what's a, so that's the negative belief. Well, what's a belief that I would want to believe that is, you know, for lack of a better term, opposite of that. And he writes that down. Right, right. He explores all the various options and he's like, it's almost like trying on shoes. Which which belief would I rather believe? Because what he then does with that is he lets his confirmation bias go to town and he finds evidence to support that belief. And by finding that evidence to support the belief he'd rather have versus the negative belief, he's like, well, clearly there's evidence why I should believe this. So let me believe that instead of the negative belief. And it's very parallel to the work of Byron Katie, for sure, just in a kind of slightly nuanced, different way. Um, you know, and at the end of the day, like when I talk about therapy and self-help and whatever else, it's like, I mean, it's no different than art. It's, there's no right path. The right path is one that achieves your results. And I always add the caveat in a non-toxic dangerous way to yourself and others, right? And so I thought that'd be worth sharing. Hopefully it helps you. And of course, if you want to hear kind of more about it, you can tune into the uh, Derek Sivers episode on the Tim Ferriss show. The other sort of thing that I want, you know, when I talk about connecting with people, I appreciate when people reach out and ask me for stuff. And whenever I can, I love to help. But what's interesting, in the past week, someone reached out. And I knew what they were kind of getting at. But they weren't direct with their ask. 
And I was talking with my friend Khalil about it, and he's like, he jokes how essentially those are like, hey, I'm just letting you know texts. Because there's not a question. There's not something specific for me to do. It's just like, hey, I'm doing this thing. And literally that's it, right? Like it, if you're listening to that, it, it's as if, okay, was I going to say something else? And it's like, because that's the natural sort of rhythm of what you're expecting. And yet, nope. And there is a difference between actually letting somebody know of like, hey, you know, uh, I'm doing this thing. I know, you know, you love supporting filmmakers. I'm, I'm having this screening. Or whatever, right? Just like, I, I love when people update me on what they're doing, even if like, they're not asking for help. Like just to be in the know is, is, is cool. But this wasn't it, right? You can, you can tell the difference. And it's just interesting to me because, yeah, pe- people have that inability to not be direct with whatever it is they're asking. And then they wonder why they don't get results, right? And so I think it's just a good lesson for myself, right? Certainly to, if I reach out to people to be very specific versus anything else. And when I look at like how I reached out to Derek Sivers, it was mostly just a, you know, hey, I just want to say hi and let you know that you had an impact on me. And that was it. That's all I was looking for. But I made sure that was very clear as opposed to like, wait, what's this guy driving at, you know? So just something to think about. Also... There's, you know, talk about the flip side. There's a friend of a friend who was going out for this job at a place that I know some people. And even though I didn't know this person directly, you know, I trust my friend's judgment when they say, like, this person is good. So I was like, okay, listen, you know, submit, let me know, and then I'll put in the good word for you. And they let me know that they had submitted And then I gave this person a call and I was like, hey, you know, just, I always like to have a little bit of context about just the nature of it, right? Um, Just so I can like better pitch you essentially. And the person, the, the friend of the friend, I was actually really blown away by their confidence, but also combined with a humility and also just their knowledge. You know, the job that they were going out for, it's one that so many people can sort of BS about and the way they talk about it is just so not pretentious, not egregious, but just, I don't know, just just like using so many buzzwords that don't mean anything. Whereas this person, again, made a case of why they were good at what they do had a vision for what they do that's actually actionable, but did it in such a way where you could tell that they understood they're part of a greater collective whole. So it served the purpose of what they're trying to achieve as opposed to it being about them, them, them. And boy, was that just refreshing. You know, I, I, I took a moment and I, I, I told that to this person 
and they thanked me, but I, I, and I didn't articulate in the best way and I still don't know how to, but I, I honestly, like, I was like, this is a true skill, you know? Um, and so utilize it, um, for good, you know, essentially. And I think that's the part about LA. So many dreamers come out to LA and, you know, the people that aren't in this business, they joke about how everyone in this business is, you know, they're an actor, they're this, they're that, you know, and those are the people you meet out and about. And it's true, you know, I mean, that's why people come to LA. But the, the thing of it is, most of the people that you're likely to meet at a bar, let's say, you know, not always, but, but in broad strokes, are like the scammers, right? Like the people actually doing stuff, you know, um, they're home on a Friday night taking a Zoom meeting about a script and, and, or like preparing for the shoot or, you know, in the studio recording music. Like they're doing the thing. They're not talking about doing the thing. They're doing the thing, right? Even if it's their, you know, side gig or their hopeful job, that they're, you know, they haven't yet been getting paid for, they're not getting counted, but they're like working towards an activity for it. And so, you know, I th- there, there's, for lack of a better term, scammers in any industry, right? But it just becomes a little bit more apparent when you go to the hub of it all, AKA LA for the entertainment industry. And, you know, um, you know you're seeing kind of the, the, the people that just wanna be rich and famous, Versus the people that are actually going for it. And it's unfortunate, you know, but, but again, the same, same with any industry. And unfortunately those people sort of taint, um, people's perspective of, you know, the people that are doing good and, and, and stuff of that nature. So another thing just to just sort of think about one thing that I was talking about with a writer, a friend of mine was that I don't believe there's any such thing as writer's block. Because it's not writer's block. What it's really about is writer's perfection. Meaning the writer is preventing themselves from writing because what they're writing is crap. And they know it's crap and they hate themselves for it. Therefore, they're like, if it's gonna be crap, I don't wanna write. Now, can they verbalize in that way consciously? No, not necessarily. But that's really what it comes down to because the only way to like, even for me, right? Just any writer out there relates to this that I've heard of it, it, the 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 way through is just to keep writing. You know that whatever it's going to be, there's going to be garbage there. Fine, but that's the whole point. You know, writing is rewriting, rewriting, rewriting. And so it's not really writer's block; it's writer's perfection. Just get crap ideas down on the page. You know that's what happened with me, and has been happening with me in terms of the arbiter script. Right, like I'd gotten to page seventy of this script. But, you know, I was going through it and the whole point was just to flesh out the ideas from the outline even further. But knowing that there was times where I was like, ah, I, don't, I don't quite know, but let me just get the general idea and I'll worry about it later. And, you know, now that I can see a more fuller picture of what is in my mind, because now it's on the page, and then I'm like, oh, okay, wait, now I know what, what I can do with it. The ideas are coming. That's how it works. And, you know, just as a quick not anecdote, but reasoning, 
So I had gotten to page 70 and it wasn't the final full script, but there was enough ideas of what I wanted to elevate that I went back in and did those things because I know having a clear picture of that will give me a good trajectory for the end um, because I'll know how it all is supposed to come together. So another sort of fun idea um, that resonated with me when Tim Ferriss and Derek uh, Sivers talked was about this cognitive burden that happens when you take the hard road of making up your own thoughts as opposed to what others believe or, or like structures, right? So you can think of it in terms of religion. You know, re religion gives you the structure of which to live your life by. So you don't have to have that cognitive burden of like, you know, should I do this? Should I do that? And I think that's an interesting way to look at it because certainly, you know, I value a lot of faiths, but I don't necessarily agree. You know, I try to, whatever stuff is in life, right? Whether it's religion, government, or just philosophy and so forth, I try to take the good, but leave the bad. And it's interesting because that can rub a lot of people the wrong way. I mean, you know, because when we talk about like the cognitive burden of stuff of free thinking, it means taking good ideas from people you don't necessarily like. Because a good idea is a good idea. And there are plenty of people that I don't necessarily, I, I don't like, but I'm like, that's a good idea. And so why would I throw out the baby with the bathwater? And I think, I, I, I don't know. I, it's, it's interesting to consider, you know, is that a right approach? I mean, maybe there's something to it of just picking a structure and being like, all right, cool. You know, I don't need to have that cognitive burden because it is, you know, when you're constantly kind of thinking about, and that's why for me, I do try to overall think about something, but then create principles for myself. So I don't have to think about it on a daily basis. You know, it's almost like, you know, for, for myself, when I say that, you know, I want to put out these lessons, you know, I've already made that choice as opposed to fighting with myself daily. You know, do I want to do this? Do I want to not? It's almost like when you make a decision to go to the gym, you've already made that decision. So you don't have to have that struggle daily, right? Like that's what my aim with a lot of this stuff is. But still to do it in a thoughtful way for myself, um, rather than just accept things as they are, you know, and that's why I, I, I go to therapy is to question my own beliefs, you know, and really see what are the limiting thoughts in my brain that prevent me from being the best version of myself that I can be. And in fact, this, this past week, uh, was a, it was a big session for me. You know, a lot of, a lot of interesting stuff came up. You know, um, the author of Love and Math, one time on stage, he talked about how, you know, the culmination of the work that you're seeing is not done by him, but, you know, by the child he left on the battlefield of life. And so it was posed to me in therapy, you know, what is the child that you left on the battlefield of life? 
And the answer that came up was the enlightened me. And boy, all of a sudden, when that kind of came up, so many things clicked and were essentially righted, you know? Um, It was really beautiful. And when I think about therapy, you know, I've talked about in the past how, like, there's times when I'm going through something in my life and it's like, you know, people talk about, well, you know, the cost of therapy and so forth. I'm like, I can't afford not to go. And I realize this because for me, it's going to therapy is a should, not a must, right? A must, I'm sorry, let me just read, just in case I, I butchered that. Going to therapy for me is a must, not a should. So there's things we have in all of our lives that we know would be beneficial to us, we would like to do, we know we should do, but it's not yet a must, like it's not imperative, and so we don't do it. For a lot of people, I realize therapy is one of those things. You know, it's like, it would be nice to be happier, but for them, for whatever reason, it's a should, not a must. For me, it's a must. And that was kind of a very eye-opening aspect to it because I am someone who believes everyone, like when when I recommend therapy to people, they're like, oh, am I that crazy? I'm like, no, 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 you're just human. And everyone benefits from therapy. Everyone should go to therapy. But there's that word, should. You know, I think people should go to therapy. But whether they will is up to them. It's just interesting to note that distinction. So that's kind of what I've been up to. Um, Yeah, feel free to ask any questions about anything that I've talked about, anything I didn't talk about, you know, that you would like me to talk about, you know, stuff that you're facing. If I can answer, I I certainly will. And to that effect, you know, if you appreciate what I do and think I might be of, of benefit to you, well, feel free to sign up for my Patreon page. It's $10 a month. You know, there's just one tier. And it allows us to interact more directly where I can help navigate you in that way. So if that sounds great, then awesome, you know. But if it is a financial burden anyway, then don't do it. Anyway, thank you so much again for taking the time to tune in. I appreciate you and hope to see you 